can I be honest with you this morning? I, I, I would hope that you'd want an honest pastor. I don't really want to preach my sermon this morning, and I haven't wanted to preach it all week. And I know that sounds weird, but I... So, I've, talk, I've mentioned a little bit, there's this thing called the lectionary. It's basically a, a schedule of scripture texts, and, and so when I'm going to plan a sermon, I kind of start there, and I look, and I pray, and I'm like, God, are any of these what you're leading me to? And Well, a couple of weeks ago when we didn't have church, uh, because... It was either the snow or because of COVID. Um, we, I got messages from a couple different people talking about this message that was preached at Twelve Stone about covenant that day. And uh, in fact, Pastor Gary called me and was like, hey, you've got to listen to this. So I, I listened to it. And well, the text this morning that God kept calling me to was that exact text from that sermon. And I, it's so fresh on my mind that I was like, God, I don't want to preach somebody else's sermon. I just, I don't want to do that. So I tried other texts, and I looked at the Psalms, and I looked at this. It's like, I really don't want to do that, but God just kind of kept guiding it back here, back into this discussion. And so, I don't really want to preach this sermon. <laughs> I want to preach something else. But I think this is what God wants us to hear this morning, so I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm not duplicating what somebody else has said. This is, is very different, but... Um, I just I think this is where God wants us today. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15, talking about the covenant that God makes with Abraham. Um, that we're going to read a lot of scripture, so you can stay seated this morning as we read. But it's Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. This is where we'll pick up today. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and heir of my house, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I able to know that I will possess it? He said to him, bring, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He, he brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. 
When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. I know that was a lot, but we're going to break it down a little bit. Have you ever met someone that's good at everything that they do? And they know that they're good at everything they do. I mean, some people are good at everything that they do, but they purposefully don't do things that they know they're not good at because they want to succeed. So if they know they're no good at playing dominoes, if you say, hey, you want to come over and play dominoes, they'll just say, that's okay. They, they, if, they're, if they're doing it, and they know they're not good at it, they're not going to enjoy it. But some people, they can pick up a game that's brand new to them, and you've been playing for years, and you're pretty good at it. And with one or two attempts, they beat you. It's just so frustrating. Yes, it could have been luck, but that person knew all along. They just knew. I'm going to win. That's what I do. I'm a winner. If it's hitting a golf ball far or reading quickly or creative writing or even a watermelon seed spitting contest, we all know someone that's just good at everything. They just, they pick it up and they're good at it. You know what's tough about those kind of people? Is they usually want everybody to know that they're good at everything that they do. It's one thing to be good and be humble, but it's a complete other thing to be good and expect everyone to acknowledge how good you really are. I watched a movie this week, and it was based on a kid's football team. It's called Home Team. It's on Netflix. Uh, funny little family movie. Um, it's all about Sean Payton, the coach of the, uh, the Saints, and he got in trouble one year, and so he goes back home, and he coaches his son's football team while he's suspended from the NFL. Um, and so it was pretty good movie. It's basically a modern-day Little Giants, if you remember the football movie Little Giants with Icebox. It's kind of a modern-day version of that. Well, toward the end of one of their games, this team is absolutely terrible, and they're losing by 36 points. 36 to 0. But through one adjustment by their new coach, they finally scored a touchdown as the clock hit 0. And so the winning team, who was very good and undefeated and knew that they were very good, they get together and they're all celebrating, you know, yeah, we whooped them, woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. And while they're celebrating over here, they begin to hear this really annoying noise off in the distance. And so they all kind of stop cheering and they look over, and here's the sorry team over here. And they're all going, we touched down, we scored a touchdown. And they're just so happy. They could care less that they lost. They had never scored a touchdown. And so they're over here just dancing and dancing. And, and oh, what were they doing? We scored a touchdown. And then this team over here is kind of like, what? we're the big dogs. We just won. We're making a name for ourselves out here. We're trying to go undefeated, and you guys are over here celebrating a touchdown. Come on. Well, this can kind of help us put into perspective what's going on. You see, Babylon is a place where they're really trying to make a name for themselves. So in, in this time that we find Abram, the, this, the people and the government of Babylon, they just think they're the biggest, the baddest, and they think that they could take over the world, that they just, they're the boss. 
They want everyone to know that they're bigger, that they're faster, that they're stronger and smarter than anyone else. Well, we pick up in chapter 15 where Abram is on his way to Canaan, which God has already promised will be his. So we, we hear that back in chapter 12. So we've, God has already told Abram, this land is going to be yours. You've got to get there. Well, Abram is a leader, and he's a, quite a skilled leader, in fact. Just before this, in chapter 14, uh, he leads 318 soldiers to go get his nephew, a guy named Lot, which I think you've probably heard of, Lot. Uh, we won't talk about what happens to his wife, but, but Lot is saved by Abram because Abram's a good leader. And he comes out on this rescue mission. They save Lot. It's a good day. Well, Abram, he, he refused to take any rewards from, from Melchizedek, who was uh, one of the, the leaders there in that town where they saved Lot from. Because Abram wanted to say that God was the only one who had provided for him, that everything that he had came from God. So Abram's a pretty good God then comes to Abram in a vision. And this is where our text kind of picks up today. It's pretty fascinating that Abram's first concern, God talks to him, and what's Abram's concern? I have no kids. So imagine with me, if you will, that you're 100 years old. You're 100 years old, and you have no children. But somebody randomly gives you this massive mansion. They give you a mansion with lots of land so you can have farm animals and goats and chickens and all that good stuff like my wife would want. But since we're in Gainesville, it's also on the lake too. So, you know, whether you want the land or the water, you get it both. You get all of it. But you're 100 years old. I mean, it seems nice, but you're thinking, I can't climb up those stairs to go clean that toilet. I can't go back out there and mow seven acres of the grass. I can't go down and fix my dock when it messes up every three months. It's nice, but what am I going to do with this? You don't have any kids. If you had kids, you'd be like, oh, thank you, God. I, I can pass it to my kids. They're going to be taken care of. They have a home. They have land. They can enjoy the water. Thank you, Lord. But there you are with this giant mansion. You know you're not going to live much terribly, too terribly long, but you're stuck with it. So this is where Abram's thought process has come from, okay? I don't think he's crazy. He's thinking, God, I don't have much time left. What are you talking about? Why do I need this land? But God has already tried multiple times at this point to tell Abram that his offspring is on the way. But you know how we are. Us people, we're impatient. We don't like to wait. Don't make me wait. Especially if you know it's coming. Don't make me wait on it. Have you ever experienced the fact that God really does do more than we could ever think of? Maybe you prayed for a good procedure, and the doctor started the procedure only to find that whatever it was was already healed. Maybe you prayed for a job, and God provided you with options for a job. God always seems to have greater things in mind for us than we could ever imagine. Well, God shows this to Abram by walking him outside and telling him to look at the stars. God essentially says, you're worried about one child. (laughs) Come here, come outside. And he takes him outside and he says, look, this is how many you will have. But Abram's just concerned about one. And God's saying, I have something so much greater in mind. At that point, the text tells us that Abram believed God. It's about time. Then God goes back to talking about things. And Abram has a question. Um, Excuse me, God, Yahweh, um, I know that you're God, 
but how can I be sure that I will really possess this land? Then God instructs Abram to go through one part of the covenant ceremony with him. Um, th- this ceremony is, is rather extensive, but it was very well known and it was a, a common practice in the culture. Um, so I'm not going to break all that down. That sermon that I talked about was really good at doing that, but I don't think it's necessary to break it all down. But we do need to talk about the fact that a covenant is a promise that involves relationship. So five animals are brought and they're cut right down the middle. That's a lot of blood. I'm so glad that the kids are in kids' church today because I was going to hate to have to tell Hannah that animals were cut open. (laughs) But it's true. A lot of blood. Then Abram did exactly what we said just a few weeks ago that the disciples were really good at. What did he do? He went to sleep. (laughs) But let's cut him some, some slack here. The text tells us that he was forced to sleep. So God kind of said, hey, take a nap. Easy. It's in this sleep that God tells Abram how the next 400 years are going to play out. God promises that Abram will die peacefully at an old age. Sounds good. God promises to judge the nations of the world that come against God and that Abram's descendants will, in fact, inherit this land. Awesome. This is good news. Well, God completes the covenant ceremony. He carries a torch between the animals, and God has now entered into a relational promise, a covenant with Abram. You see, Abram was so caught up with, how, how can I be sure? How can I be sure? And God says, I'm going to enter into covenant with you, which is a, a relational promise and saying, I'm God. I'm not going to lie to you. You see, in those days, words meant something. If you said yes, it meant yes. When you said, I'll be there at 9, it meant I'll be there at 8.50 because I don't dare show up late. Well, at least for the most part. If we read the next section of Scripture, Abram falls right into this trap of Babylon. Babylon's trying to build a name for itself, and Abram, in the very next chapter of Scripture, decides, God, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to take one of my, my, my maidservants, and I'm going to have a child with her, and, and that will be the heir. God, I got this. That quickly. He just, he, he, he just lost sight of it. He falls into that trap of Babylon. He gets too tired of waiting on God and figures out a way, I'll have a son my way. While this doesn't forego the covenant that Abraham had with God, it just adds some bumps in the road for a few occurrences of God, a few more times having to tell him, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. Just calm down. I'm going to give you a son. You see, God is trying to get Abram's attention and say that it's not about Abram building a name for himself. But rather, it's about Abram glorifying the name of Yahweh God. But Abram lives in this land where Babylon is such a heavy influence. He thinks, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to build a name for God. As Christians in 2022, we have to read this text through the lens of the New Testament. We have to read this story through the lens of knowing God incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. So let's also look at Romans chapter 4. And I pray that God continues to speak to us through this this word. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 16, and we're going to go through 25. It says, For this reason it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. 
in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness can't help but think of Gene Brooks right there. It was reckoned to him in ri- as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but also for ours. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Now wait just a second. Didn't I just say that Abram messed up? And went about trying to build a name for himself. He fell into the trap of Babylon and caused those bumps in the road. Well, here in Romans, all Paul is doing is is giving us praise for Abram's faith and his trust in God. Yes, Abram did get off track a little bit. But this is not what matters in telling the story of God's covenant with Abram. What matters is that it was a covenant with Almighty God. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Abram was not able to live up to that covenant in his own power. When he realized that God was going to do God's part, and that God was going to provide him the strength to carry out his side of the covenant, he was able to move forward in confidence. Romans tells us that Abram believed that God was able to carry out that which he had promised. You see, the terms Old and New Testament, they can also be referred to as the Old and New Covenant. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God accepted, God acted through prophets, priests, and kings. God invited the people of Israel into a covenant or a relational promise. This meant that one accidental mess-up was not the end of the deal because it was a relationship. Just like marriage, think about it this way. If you were divorced the very first time that either spouse made a mistake, then the world record for divorce would be like three hours, if that. And we are in the time of the new covenant. You remember how Abram's covenant ceremony required blood? And quite a bit of blood. Well, church, so did ours. Christ's blood took the place of our sacrifices in the covenant ceremony. And now we can enter into that relational promise with God through the sacrifice of Jesus And the truth is that God knows that we cannot hold up our end of the covenant. The power of the Holy Spirit is what allows us to hold up our end. Abram had to go to sleep and then arise at the completion of the covenant. Church, Jesus is the one that took on our sleep, our death. Jesus went down into that state of slumber, of death, in our place so that we could enter into covenant with God without having to die. We die to ourselves and grasp onto those words of Paul that say to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you had been born in the time before Jesus, would you have had a way to God? Absolutely, you would have. Would it have required lots of sacrifices and law following? 
absolutely. But since we are here post-Jesus' resurrection, we have a new charge as people of covenant with God. Do you know what that charge is? Our charge as the people of God is what we just spent an entire month talking about. Our charge as people in covenant relationship to God is to go and make disciples. (laughs) Jesus has made a way for us to relate with God, and we need to tell others about it. I want to challenge you this week to tell one person about the opportunity that they have to enter into this relationship with God. There's someone in your life that you know it's time to go from that implicit to explicit discipleship like we talked about. Church, we don't have to be perfect. We as a church aren't perfect. We as people aren't perfect. Abram was not perfect, yet God still chose him to be the father of many nations. Maybe today you need to experience the grace of God fresh and new in your life. Maybe you've been holding yourself to this this impossible standard of perfection, thinking that it was your job to hold up your end of the covenant and you just fall short all the time and you just beat yourself up about it and I can never be enough. Paul didn't bring up Abram's mistakes in Romans. He brought up Abram's lasting faithfulness. If you feel like you just keep falling short, I invite you today to be reminded that God is the one strengthening you to do your part of the covenant. God knows you and knows your shortcomings and yet has still called you to be a disciple maker. For Paul told us that all have sinned and fall short. So we're all on the same, on the same level here. We come today as a people who all fall short. But as a people whose God is providing a way for us to remain in covenant. In relationship with God. Karen, would you come and play for us just for a moment? Today, if you've never accepted Jesus in your life, maybe, maybe today is that day. Maybe you, you've always felt like you weren't perfect enough and you couldn't do it. God's not asking you to be perfect. God's asking you to be faithful and to trust the Holy Spirit. These altars are a place where many have come to know God and connect with God, but, and they can be that for you today. But maybe you're that person that I mentioned earlier that just needs the grace of God today as you realize that you are not perfect. That you've been holding yourself to this level of perfection and that you could never live up to and you're always going to fall short. God told Abram directly that he was going to be the father of many nations. Multiple times and Abram did not want to believe it. And I think this morning God has a promise for each and every one of us that we don't want to believe. Something that God is calling you to, something that God has equipped you to, you're not going to be perfect. That's why we come together to be reminded, oh yeah, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that struggles. I'm not the only one that, that falls short. But today I'm so thankful for a God that says, I'm going to help you carry your part of the covenant because you never could do this without me. And he's not going to leave you or forsake you just because of one thing or, oh, I said these words, oh, I treated this person this way. If someone was to look back over your life, what would be the theme? Would it be 
continual faithfulness through those bumps in the road or would it just be that you gave up because the bumps were just too much? So this morning I invite us to just spend a moment and reflect and think about the fact that you are not strong enough to hold up that covenant. But today we serve a God who is. So I invite you, if you need to, come and pray. We're just going to spend a few moments reflecting on the word of the Lord that I didn't want to preach today, but I feel like God wanted us to hear. Lord, help us today to not fall into the trap of Babylon. To think that we need to build a name for ourselves. Or that we need to build a name for our church. Or even that we need to build a name for you. For you are building your own name. And you are capable of doing that. Lord, help us to just listen and to be faithful in that way. God, we're going to fall into that. But Lord, we thank you today for the grace that is made available to us through the blood of Jesus, our Lord. We thank you that you didn't call us to be perfect. You just called us to follow. Help us now to do our best at that. Lord, help us to admit our imperfection so that others may be invited in. Lord, we're not worthy, but through your work in this covenant with us, you've invited us in anyways. Lord, if you want us to be the father of many nations, help us to be patient follow you in that to trust you in whatever it is that you're calling us to do Lord I pray for our church that we wouldn't jump the gun on any decision that might need made or just to think that we need to to be bigger and better than everyone else God may that never be our hope or our desire but that we would faithfully reflect you that we would be broken open in the same way that you were for our community around us. Lord, I pray especially today for that person that is trying so hard and just seems to fall short every single time. Lord, may your grace be new and fresh in their life today that they would recognize that you're not asking for perfection and that you will journey with us through growth so that one day whatever it is can be overcome. But God, help us to realize that grace is never earned. 
That's why it's called grace. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you that that is so freely available to us today. May we never take that for granted. Empower us to share boldly with those in our lives. To invite them into this relationship that, that will take them places that they never imagined. not be the people of Babylon, but to be the people of the kingdom of God, that say all are welcome here, and and we are just conduits of the grace. We aren't the Savior, but that you are, and we point them back to you. Father, it's with thankful hearts today that we pray these words and ask that you would move in our lives. And it's in your precious and holy name we all pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I pray that today that the God of the covenant of Abram be the God that is in covenant with you today. And you realize that you fall short. But the Holy Spirit is what can give you the power to hold up your end. So I invite you to stand and receive a blessing this morning. That as you go from this place, go from this place as people of grace that have received grace freely and may give grace abundantly to invite others into covenant with Almighty God. Go in His grace and His peace today.